and I hope that you also are excited to be here uh, to worship our great God today. Well, uh, my name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of the pastors of Redemption Hill, and uh, I absolutely love this time of the year. This Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year as we get this fresh start. We turn the calendar page, and uh, we get to reflect on where we are, uh, but not only that, where we believe God wants us to go uh, as a church. Well, if you uh, have a Bible, open up to the book of Ephesians. We'll be uh, introing in part uh, the book of Ephesians as we uh, cast this vision for the new year. And uh, if you're using one of the Bibles we provided for you, that's page 976 uh, there in the Bibles that we provided for you in the rows. Um, Well, as I was uh, on Christmas vacation, I usually have a little more discretionary time, you might imagine. And so I... uh, downloaded a couple of podcasts uh, while I was there uh, in Kentucky at my, uh, my parents' home. And um, I, I listen, at times I listen to uh, the Harvard Business Review's IdeaCast podcast. Now, that's not because I'm particularly smart, okay, like most of you that I can listen to these podcasts and understand half of what they're saying. Uh, but I, I listen to HBR because there are really some great leadership lessons that you can take no matter maybe what your position or, or leadership role is in life, and uh, you can put those into practice um, as you, as you uh, see fit. So uh, I was listening to this one uh, podcast. It was called The, the Right Mindset for success. They were interviewing this uh, Stanford professor named Carol Dweck, and uh, she just came out with a book, I think recently, it's uh, entitled Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And what she says in her book, that her, her major premise is this, people generally have one of two mindsets. We either have a fixed mindset where we believe that the qualities and the intellect and the the gifts and skills that we have are pretty much set, and there's not a lot that we can do do about it. What we have is is all set, and it doesn't provide a lot of incentive necessarily uh, to, to think about and consider how we can really pursue growth in life in that next stage of of what, uh, you know, might be on the horizon. But uh, conversely, you have the growth mindset. And this mindset says that, that, our, that, our, that, our, that our mind and our abilities and our, even our desires can be cultivated and grown through both our experiences and also through mentorship. And so I, I think most of us would want to say, you know what, you know, I see that I have some room to grow in my life in a variety of areas, and I really want to have a growth mindset. I want to make progress. I want to be a better person uh, than I was uh, this time last year. And yet, if we're being honest, many of us slip back into this kind of fixed mentality, this fixed mindset that says, you know what, man, I'm just not sure if I can really make progress in this area or that. And so I just want to ask the question, what about you? As you look at your life, and particularly this morning, of course, we're going to think about our spiritual lives, who we are before God. Do you, do you view what God might want to do in your life with a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? See, what I love about God is that he wants to do more in our lives. He wants to take us deeper. He wants something uh, weightier and truer at work in us. 
And so if you, you say, well, you know, Tanner, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'll just kind of uh, settle for, you know, the, the mediocrity, and, and, and I don't really want to pursue growth. And uh, number one, I would just say, you know, maybe Redemption Hill isn't the church for you. And, and I would also say that maybe Jesus isn't the God for you. Because see, what, what Christianity says is it says that because there is something fundamentally broken within us in our relationship with God, God had to send his son to redeem us, to save us. And the job of, of, of the spirit of Christ now is to make us like Christ. That's, that's the job that God is after. And if you've ever thought about it, that is like a mammoth undertaking, one that only God can do. And so I want you to think about that. God wants you to be brought back to him, unified with him, and then to become more and more increasingly like Jesus in every area of your life. So as our pastors have thought about what we want to see God do in 2015, we've come up with a very, I think, simple statement, a description that captures what we want to see God do and to see God cultivate in the life of our church. And it is simply this, okay? We want to be, here's the vision, we want to be a community of mature disciples who are courageously engaged in God's mission. Okay, you have your vision card there. You might want to write that down in your journal. Okay, you might want to write that down, you know, save it on your phone, make that some wallpaper somewhere. Okay, like this is what we are about this year. Okay, so if you say like, what's the focus of your church in 2015? You say, we are a community of mature disciples who are courageously engaged in God's mission. If you're wondering what the pastors are up to, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, if, if I try to take Saturday off, you know what I'm saying? I got to get a day off in there somewhere. But, but, but even on Saturday, I'm praying that, that, that we would be a community of mature disciples who are courageously engaged in God's mission. When you ask why we do what we do, why do we worship on Sundays? Why do we gather in community groups? Why do we serve our city? Why do we try to give large amounts of money away so that the gospel can advance all around the globe? It is because we want to be a community of disciples, mature disciples who are courageously engaged in God's mission. So, so let me just break down this statement real quick so we're all on the same page. When we talk about the community of mature disciples, we are talking about the church. All right? And, and, and what is the church? The church is not a building. And because we're a church plan, we meet at the Boys and Girls Club. It's pretty easy for us to figure that out, right? Okay, you didn't come to a church today. You didn't come to a church building. Okay, we are the church. The church is a people. The church is made up of followers of Jesus. That is who disciples are. Disciples are those who have said, Jesus is not just a good person, not just a nice teacher, not just someone that I can kind of pay attention to when I want to, but Jesus is the Son of God. He rose from the dead, and he is the greatest treasure in the world, and so I'm going to give my life to him. That's who a disciple is. And so we want to be a community of mature disciples. You can even say a, a, a community of maturing disciples that are growing, and we are courageously engaged in God's mission. Now, you say, well, Tanner, what is God's mission? It is to take this good news about Jesus and to share it with people who are not yet in step with God, which was all of us at one point. Perhaps it's you today. Perhaps it's many of the people that you know and love in your life. 
And then the mission is, guess what? To share the gospel, to see them become a part of the community of mature disciples who are courageously engaged in God's mission. So that is what we want to be after as a church. That's what we want to give our lives to in this coming year. You say, well, Tanner, you know, that, that sounds pretty good. Maybe, maybe I'm in on that. You say, well, how are we going to get this thing done? And I want to give you three, three words, three, three actions that uh, as, we, as we submit ourselves to God and we place ourselves in his hand, we, I believe, can see God do great things in our lives individually and in the life of our church collectively. And that is simply this. We want to, we want to love, we want to build, and we want to watch God grow us as a church. We're going to love, we're going to build, and we're going to grow. I mean, that's, that's very simple, and yet I believe it is quite strong. And so as we unfold these details of our 2015 this, uh, vision this morning, what I want to do is I want to simultaneously introduce the book of Ephesians, okay? This morning is the kickoff of our Ephesians series that over the next 23 weeks, minus three weeks around Easter for a series on the cross, we're going to be diving into the treasure that is the book book of Ephesians. Now, Paul's letter to Ephesians, I believe, is tailor-made to teach us how we can be a people who are loving, building, and growing in Christ. One scholar uh, says that Ephesians is pound for pound perhaps the most influential document ever written. How's that? I mean, it is loaded with, with truth about God. Okay, that's chapters one through three. Doctrine, theology, this is who God is. This is what God has done for us in Christ by his spirit. And then you move to chapter four and you get into life, practice, doctrine. This is what we do with what God has done in light of what God has done. And so verse one of Ephesians chapter one says this, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Let me make just a few notes here on verse one. Paul was an apostle, okay? He was an apostle in, 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 in the, the, the capital A sense in that Jesus revealed himself to him just like he did his disciples and he sent Paul out on a mission to spread the good news about the life that every person can have in Jesus. Now this was a radical move because Paul wasn't always on God's team. In fact, he didn't proclaim the good news about Jesus. As Scott taught us last week from Philippians 3, he actually used to persecute Christians. He oversaw them being imprisoned and even being put to death. And yet Jesus revealed himself to him. He saved Paul. He became one of the greatest missionaries in the early church. And then what we have in this kind of ironic twist is Paul who used to imprison Christians, is now being imprisoned for his faith in Christ, and he is penning this letter from a prison, probably in Rome, around the years uh, 62 AD. What we have then in Ephesians is Paul's letter to this church that he helped start. 
Okay, Paul spent roughly three years in Ephesus doing his thing, preaching the gospel, mentoring uh, men and women in Christ to see them grow in Christ and be able to take the mission that he left in, in their hands, just like Jesus left the mission in his hands. And so what does it say about uh, these, these uh, Christians? Well, verse 1 calls them saints, all right? So a saint is just someone who is set apart, called by God to live their life for him. We're all saints. If, you're, if you belong to Jesus, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, then you're a saint. We're all in the same camp there. But then notice it also says they are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, I just want to zoom in on this last phrase, okay, because these two words, okay, in Christ, these, these two words, in Christ, really not only summarize, I believe, the book of Ephesians, but these two words, in Christ, they sum up the totality of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who is in Christ. We, we, are, we, are, we are in Christ. Christ has brought us to himself through his sacrificial death on the cross so that everyone who looks to him in faith can have life where they once didn't have life. So, so when we say we're in Christ, it doesn't mean we're inside of Christ physically. It means that we are united to him personally and fundamentally. Essentially, we are, we are one now with Christ. Now, please show me another religion in the world where you have such an imminent and uh, just close God as this God is, Jesus Christ. Not only makes himself available to us, but actually unites us together with him. And so this, this vision of being in Christ was, was Paul's total vision for the Christian life. And it's no wonder that we find this, this phrase or a phrase like uh, in Christ, we find it 39 times in this little letter. 39 times. So look at verse 3 of chapter 1. What does it say? We're going to hit this up next week. Can't wait. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, what, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now look down at verse 9. He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, what? And what? You reading that? In him. So, so it is in Christ that everything in our world, things, things in heaven and things on earth, everything is brought back together, united, summed up in him. This fundamentally broken world that we live in, that we experience uh, every single day, suffering, sorrow, cancer, hurt, abuse, all of that is, is, is summed up. It will be done away with, perfectly healed because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And not only that, Jesus reunites our relationship both to God through faith in him by his grace and also, are you ready for this, also to one another. And Paul's going to say this again and again as we work our way through this letter to the Ephesians. And so I really want to challenge you. If you would just, just pray that God would emblazon, 
these two words on your mind and in your heart, in Christ, my life, when I wake up, it's in Christ. This song that we sing, Christ be all around me, before, behind me, above, below, everywhere, everything, every thought, every word, every action. I'm about to rap right now, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like everything, it's in Christ. He's our life. Our life is now hidden in Christ. Colossians 3. I'll take payment for my rap, right? If you, like, if you think I want, you want to hear my flows, all right, it's going to be a little charge on that, all right? I'm going to put it in the offering basket. Don't worry. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, so, so listen, listen. As we, as we work our way through this vision of, of, of loving and building and growing, how is this going to come to fruition? It's going to come in Christ. Christ is the answer for everything. And so what I want to do is this, okay? As, as we... As we Break down the details of, of what it is going to look like, we pray, to love and build and grow. What I want to ask you to do is this. As I'm sharing this vision about loving God and loving one another and loving all people, you know, I just have to think that if you're like me, you're probably going to say, you know what, man? If Jesus is the standard and he has a great plan for my life, there are probably some areas where, you know what, man, I'm like, I'm like down here when God wants me to be up here. I think we can all say that. I think we can say that on every single one of these. And so I hope, I pray that as we are thinking about what God wants to do in our life, you will ask yourself this question. What commitments does God want me to make so that he can perform his great work in my life? You got it? What commitments does God want me to make so that he can perform his great work in my life? And I just want you to think in, in kind of somewhat bite-sized pieces, okay? We're going we're gonna to revisit our vision at least three different times this year. And so just for the, for the next roughly four or five months, from January to May, there are probably some commitments that you can make to say, you know what? In the area of love, I am going to commit to doing this. And I'm going to offer some suggestions as we go, but I don't want you to be bound to that. I don't want you to be hindered by maybe some creative way that God has maybe already spoken to you as you started the new year to say, you know what? I'm going to devote myself in this way to God this year. And then what's going to happen is next Sunday, all right, when everyone's back and a lot more people who are like coming back from Christmas vacation and whatnot, we're going to come together and we're going to say, hey, these are the commitments that we want to make together as a church, and the pastors are going to pray for you, and we're going to find ways to follow up and encourage you and equip you in uh, each of these areas, okay? So, so number one, what is, what is the first commitment? What is the first calling for us? It is to love. It is simply to love. Again, the first three chapters of Ephesians lay out what God has done for us in Christ in all of what God has done for us flows from his heart of love. 1 John chapter 4 says this simple uh, phrase about God, three words, God is, guess what? Love. God is love. It's, it's, it's fundamental to who he is. He can't do anything without it being infused with love. So we see this as we go through Ephesians. Um, just, just in these opening verses, every spiritual blessing that's in Christ, we're going to see over the next two weeks, we've been chosen, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, given grace, given an inheritance, given the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us. And all of this flows from God's love. His great love has saved us. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. It says, though we were dead in our, in our sins, God being rich in mercy because of what? The great love with which he has loved us has made us alive. And so it's the love of God 
given to us through Christ, displayed in, in, in a way like no other on the cross, that God brings us salvation. And so I just want to pause right there, okay? You can take this little commitment card, and if you have never chosen to follow Christ, the best thing that you can do is not even worry what's on the front of this card, okay? Maybe just take the back of this card and say, you know what? I want to follow Christ. Let that be your greatest commitment because that is the commitment that influences all other commitments in our life. Paul wants us to to know this love, this love that reorients our relationship with God and one another. So in chapter three, check this out, verses, um, verses 17 through 19, this is what he says. He's praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And then he says, look, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You see that? God's love is so expansive. It's so deep. It's so high. It's so wide. It's so long that we could never, ever plumb the depths of his love. But as we get to know the love of God and we realize how much we have been loved, that is what then motivates all of our love for God, for one another, and for all people. And so those are our, those are our uh, commitments that we want to make in this, in this vision, okay? So, so, so number one, we want to love God with an unrestrained passion for his glory, okay? You can see that here on this vision card that we've given you. We printed 3,000 of these, by the way, all right? This is how much we are excited about this vision. So take, take more than one copy. All right, we're going to give these to you like every week this month. And you can put them on your fridge, put them on your, put them, throw them in your Bible, give them to a friend. Hey, would you pray for this? All right, give them to people that you don't even know if they're a Christian. Just say like, hey, this is my church, you know? And uh, maybe, maybe they'll catch a little bit of the vision too and then come and, come and join us, all right? So, so we want to love God. This is where everything begins, Our greatest desire in life, our our greatest passion must be for God and his glory. And this should be revealed in our daily worship, okay? Uh, Whether we're we're eating or or, or drinking or sleeping or working, whatever it is that we do, everything should flow from a love for God. And then when we come to, to worship together, not only individually, but also on Sundays, I mean, do you look forward to coming together as a church to, to, to worship God, to sing praise to him, to hear from him in his word, to experience the presence of other imperfect people who are trying to get to know God more so that they might live for him? See, we, we, we must prioritize daily worship and be passionate about the glory of God, but we behold the glory of God in his word and and as we come together. And so that's one of the great incentives to really commit ourselves to doing uh, this thing that we do on Sundays uh, that we call worship, corporate worship. And so uh, maybe a couple of commitments here, very simple. Uh, Number one, I will prioritize my weekly worship in order to behold the glory of God with redemption hell. So the symbol is this, I have to be there kind of attitude, you know? This is like, this is not, not really optional because, not, not because I have to, but because I want to. Because this is the highlight of my week. There's nothing, there's nothing better that I could do on a Sunday morning. What, get an extra hour of sleep? Like, is that, is that better for my soul than this? So we want to prioritize this. Um, we're also going to add, you'll see as we work our way through the calendar year, we're going to have a couple of special worship nights. 
where we gather, not on Sunday mornings, but at a different time uh, through the week to, to come together and to worship and to pray and to seek the Lord. Here's another commitment, perhaps. I will strive to live for God's glory, not one day, but every day of the week. Maybe you see that, you know what, you're just, your spiritual life is kind of inconsistent, and you really want to give yourself daily to pursuing God and, and, and loving him with unrestrained passion. Number two, we want to love one another by active participation in community groups and covenant membership. Okay, the book of Ephesians has so much to say about Christ and his church and how God has brought us together, united us in Christ. And he uses all of these different images, the images of a body. Christ is the head and and we are his body. We are united with him. The church is a temple. Christ is the cornerstone, like we sang this morning. And we are now being built up in Christ. But I want you to think about this. Stones that are built on the cornerstone of Jesus. What happens if they are not molded together, mortared together? Not only is, is there great potential uh, for, 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 for something uh, to, to, to happen there in that building, but, but, but there's even potential for, for that building to, to collapse and, and to be destroyed. And so uh, that's not a highly intellectual argument, but it, but it makes the point that God has designed us to need one another, and he wants us to stick together as the church. And so how we try to accomplish that is not simply by coming together on a Sunday morning, but it's also gathering in, in smaller groups throughout the week that we call community groups. Community groups are, are groups of roughly 8 to 16 people. You have an interest form there because our groups are relaunching next week. If you never checked out a community group, man, what a, what a great thing to say, you know what, here's a, here's a commitment for you. I will, I will commit to, to checking a community group out three times. And here's what we say. Man, here we make a deal. If you, don't, if you don't profit spiritually from checking out a community group three times, we're like, don't come back. Don't worry about it. But we're so confident in, in God's presence being at work in the people of God as they're pursuing God together. We just know, man, you, you're going you're gonna to come in, you're going to experience how good it is, and you're going to want to continue on. So, so maybe you would say, you know what, man, I don't even know what this thing is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a, a group and I'm going to check it out because God wants me to not only be connected to him, but also to one another as we seek to encourage one another in Christ. Another commitment you might want to make is this. I will pursue covenant membership at Redemption Hill. So, so when we talk about membership, we talk about joining a family, brothers and sisters in Christ now because we are connected to him, we are family in him, but also joining a mission together. And so if, if you're new or you've never checked out a connections class, kind of the first step in our membership process, then maybe you want to come to our first connections class on February 8th this year. For some of you that have been to a connections class and you've lost that email with the membership intro form to fill that out, okay, we still love you, we ain't mad, but just go ahead and fill that out and get that thing done so we can move forward and see you being brought into this family. Because what do we do? Okay, why is this so, so important? It's we're, we're covenanting together. In other words, we're making a commitment to live a particular kind of life after Christ, and we're saying, man, we need one another. We need one another to, to do this thing. And so that's the purpose of a local church, to commit. And listen, look, we, we, we know that Redemption Hill is not the only church that loves Jesus in Boston. And so if, if for whatever reason this isn't the church for you, I would just say, man, we hope that it is. But find a church that you can really believe in and buy into and be committed with your whole heart. Uh, here's another suggestion. All right, again, we're not limited to these. But, but how about this? I will spend 
uh, more time sharing meals with my church family. All right, doctors have done some, some really awesome studies. Uh, they say this, we need to eat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. You're with me, all right? So, so since that's something that we all need to do, why don't we just do it together? Grab lunch on a word break. Meet for coffee before work. Have dinner together. Hey, why don't you make this? I'll throw a little something in there. And we come together. We have a good time, man. Spend an hour or two and then go on about our business. But we we need to spend time together. It's a simple commitment that we can make to love one another uh, through participation with one another. And then number three, we want to love all people through communicating the gospel with humble boldness. All right, I love these words, humble boldness. Okay, we believe that the gospel is so good that it is such an inestimable treasure. And you can't calculate how valuable and how worthy Christ is. And so we think it's something that every person needs to know and experience in life. So therefore, we with humility, not because we're better than someone else, not because we have it all together, but just because Christ has changed us, we want to display the gospel to people. And we also want to declare the gospel with what we say. So we want to do it with humility, counting others better than ourselves, not for our own glory. Hey, I share the gospel with somebody this week. Aren't I a super Christian? You know what I'm saying? But we want to do it with humility, but also with boldness. I had a good friend when he talked about evangelism. Evangelism just means sharing our faith with other people, proclaiming the good news. He always would say this, you know, you just need to get over yourself. You just need to get over yourself. You hear that? So we, we have fears. We have things that hold us back. We're worried about what they're going to think of us, what they're going to say, what objection they might have. But listen, because love is motivating everything that we do, we can, this is what love does. Okay, you ready for this? I love this. Love moves past awkward. Right? You, you, you just, you're afraid of that awkward moment. You don't know how they're going to respond. You don't know how to bring it up. You know, just like, man, boldness just moves you because of love-infused boldness just moves you right past awkward where you can go on and just throw it out there. All right, now, you're going to work on being smooth with it, all right? We're going to equip you in that, all right? But, but, but you know, just go ahead and get it on out there uh, if, 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 if you're a rookie at this. And you know what? Sometimes, I, even though I've been a pastor for a little while and a Christian for a long while, I still stumble and bumble and I get those awkward feelings, all right? But, but that's what love does. It moves us past uh, that, that so that we can share the gospel. So, so how about this? Just a couple of thoughts. I will tell someone about Jesus at least once a month. I mean, for some of you, you might say, man, that's crazy. How about once in this five-month period? And that would be a real win for you. And I'm not, I'm not hating on anybody, man. If that's where you are, praise God, go for it. That might be a significant step over last year, and we would just praise God for that. But some of you are like, man, I'm like multiple times a week, man. That's, like, that's what faithfulness looks like for me right now in my walk. And if that's the case, then praise God for that as well. But we have to be sharing the gospel so that people can experience the life in Christ. What about this one? I will regularly invite and bring friends to Sunday worship, connecting events, and serve opportunities. All right, we have these connect cards. We find out how people find out about Redemption Hill. Guess what? Last year, we had over 200 people come because other friends invited them to Redemption Hill or brought them to Redemption Hill. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty amazing. And yet what I want to say is like, because him who is able to do a measuring more than we ask or think, like, why don't we just have more than that this year? Because we're so active in inviting people, bringing people, throwing out invitations. You know, one thing that we're working on as elders, okay, this isn't a done deal, but just to cast some vision for you, uh, we're considering on Easter Sunday, moving up to the Chevalier Theater. 
You know what I'm saying? Anybody ready for that? Because we just want to say, like, look, we're in Medford. We're for this whole city, and we're going to invite every person in our city and every person in the surrounding cities, and we're going to see how many people God can bring to come up to the Chevalier to hear about the, the, the goodness of God in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anybody game for that? Let's go. I got the invite cards in my wallet right here. I mean, anybody need a couple? You know, it's like this Sunday. When's, that? When's Easter? April 4th. Is that right? Therefore, it's on the calendar. It's on your calendar card, actually, that we provided for you this morning at Redemptional Church. Okay, so check it out. All right. Love must motivate everything we do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, let all you do be done in love. This is how we want to be about our business this year. But, but love drives our actions. And that gets into our second point. And when we talk about building, we're talking about our activity, our action, our service, our work for God. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 1, Paul starts there and he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then, he's, and then he goes on to say that, that God has given gifts to his church. And look at verse 11. He talks about leaders. He says, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers, pastors, teachers, to what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So so what's going on here, okay? In in God's economy, God's plan, who does the work of ministry? Is it the leaders? Is it the professionals? Hey, you get paid to do this, man. We're going to watch you guys invite everybody in Medford to the Chevalier on Easter. Or is it like, no, God gives leaders to the church so they can equip who? The saints, everyone, for the work of ministry, this, this service, our service to God, for the building up of the body of Christ. So listen, we try to say this all the time. If you think Redemption Hill will be a great church because we have a couple cool pastors, make it three, all right, who, who you know, love Jesus, then you're just like, you're just out to lunch. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be offensive, but you're out to lunch, man. You don't, you don't get it yet. We, Reddy knows that. Okay, Reddy ain't that cool, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yes, he is. I love you, Reddy. Uh, no, we, we have to, it, it's everyone in this thing together. I was listening to a sermon in preparation for this Sunday, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and there was this great statement. Someone once said this, as a church grows, think about this, because we're a growing church. We have been since we started, by God's grace. It's just the, what God has done. As a church grows, so does its number of passengers. Think about that. As a church grows, so does its number of passengers. In other words, as the church grows... There are more people to, to do the work. So I don't have to be there every Sunday. I don't have to, to serve. I don't have to get involved. I don't have to share my faith. Man, someone else is going to do that. And so what is a passenger, man? A passenger is just along for the ride. Kick back. Relax, man. Nothing's dependent on me. Listen, that is not the vision of Jesus for his people. We're all in the game. We're all in. We're not passengers. We're participants. 
God wants us to roll up our sleeves and get to work, put on our hard hat. Man, that's why we've got this, this hammer and shovel right here as the icon to communicate that we want to be about the work of ministry together as a church. So we, we, we do this because we all need this, right? We all need to be built up in Christ. We, we've, we've established that, man. None of us are perfect. And we need to do this work together. So, so what are we going to do? Here, here are a few uh, pieces of this vision, okay? Uh, number one, build by prayerful dependence on God and daily saturation in his word. We're, as we study Ephesians, we're going to see how Paul says, walk, walk, walk in the good works that God has prepared. Walk in light, walk in love, walk as Christ uh, has, has, has called you. And so, so how we walk is we, we depend on him through daily prayer, through, through daily Bible intake. We want, to, we want to become, did you notice this, this language, saturated people, where we're, where we're saturated with the Bible. It just becomes part of who we are. And you say, well, Tanner, man, I'm, I'm new to this. I don't even know how to read my Bible. Look, we want to help you with that. You may say, I've never, I've never even read through the, the Bible. I've never even read a book in the Bible. Listen, you got to start somewhere. We want to help you with that. We understand. And so prayerful dependence on God and daily saturation in his word. And maybe some of you just say, you know what, man, I'm going to start by practicing the rhythm of the word and prayer uh, through daily devotions. Maybe some others would say, I'm going to engage. I will engage in one-to-one Bible reading with a friend. You say, well, Tanner, I don't know what that is. Well, it's our job to equip you to know what that is and to put it into practice. One-to-one Bible reading is just sitting down with a friend and reading through the Word, whether that friend is in Christ or outside of Christ. It's, it's a tool to get into the Word together with other people. So we want to build by prayerful dependence on God, daily saturation in His Word. Uh, number two, we want to build by taking advantage of equipping opportunities throughout the year. Okay, like the the job description for pastors and leaders is crystal clear. We are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's the job of leaders. And so as as those who are following Christ, you need to be equipped. We all need to be equipped, right? That includes includes me. I need the instruction of John and John to help me in areas where I I, I need to grow. And that's what the word equip means, by the way. It is to supply what is deficient, what is lacking. And so we're going to have a lot of different opportunities throughout the, the course of this year. Maybe some of you would say, I will participate um, in equipping classes, seminars, coffee houses, and other special trainings. We're going to have uh, Financial Peace University kicking off this next week. We're going to have a parenting seminar later in the year. We're going to have some other teaching opportunities. We're going to do two coffee. We did one coffee house last year, one so well, so we're going to do two this year. We're going to use technology prayerfully more effectively to, to throw out some training and some teaching uh, through, uh, through the web and other forms of, of technology. And then number three, how about this? Build by using our God-given gifts to serve one another as we serve our city. Again, what Ephesians says is this. When Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, it says that he gave gifts to, to, to his people. Through his spirit, he empowers each one of us to to live for him and and to work out our faith so that other people can be built up. And so I don't know how God has gifted you. I don't know the different, different skills and abilities and passions that he's given you. But listen, there is always room to serve here in our church. Whether it's a Sunday morning, jumping on a serve team, first impressions, transformation station, can I get a witness back there, Carrie? That's right, she's giving me the what's up. And uh, man, uh, music and media, 
What about how we engage our community? Easter egg hunts, soccer nights, serve Medford, Medford Community Day, fall festival. It's going to be something new we do in the fall to get that rhythm in. I mean, one thing that I love about this church, people ask me, okay, I'm like no church planting guru, but God has done something great here amongst our, our, our church. And so they say, like, Tanner, how's God done this in Medford? Like, how are you seeing a church grow where most churches are dying in New England? And I say, like, God's grace is the answer, but he's given us people that are not just, like, along for the ride, but they're actually serving and, and seeking to grow. And so I want to thank you for, for how you're committed to the mission of God right here. It's so encouraging uh, to see uh, us serving together for the sake of the gospel here. So maybe some of you are saying, like, I want to jump in and joyfully participate on a Sunday morning surf team. Others would say, you know what, I have some some discretionary time in my week where I can volunteer an hour or two or three hours and and help help the staff out of of this church plan so that that some work can get done. Maybe, Maybe that's you. If it is, give us a call, shoot us an email. We will put you to work, I promise, all right? But as, as we build, as we, as we seek to, to, to accomplish this vision of, of building, prayerful dependence, being equipped, using our God-given gifts, listen, there will be opposition. Just know that there will be opposition. There will be opposition internally. We're lazy. We're selfish. We go astray. We're not as devoted to God as we want to be. So there is, there's this internal opposition. And then oftentimes there will be external opposition as well. People that want to detract from what God is doing in your life. People that want to distract you. Hey, let's go do this. Let's go focus on that. And, 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 and then we get distracted from God's mission among us. Paul experienced this. And we don't have time to go back and look at Acts 17 to see the sons of Sceva and Demetrius and uh, the city rioting. But, but Paul says, look, I'm going to stay. Even though there are adversaries in Ephesus, I'm going to stay because God has given me effective work to do there in that city. So over time, listen to this. As everyone loves and everyone builds, what is the natural consequence of this? Everyone grows. When we love and when we build, then I believe we will see growth. And so what, is, what, is we, what do we want this growth to look like, okay? We want to grow to increasing maturity in Christ through gospel-motivated obedience, okay? Listen, Jesus is the yardstick. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right he, is, he is the measurement. He is the standard. He is the one whom we want to be like. I'm working on my Boston accent. I know you guys like that. All right, so, so we, want to, we want to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. We want to love just as Christ has loved us, Ephesians 5.2. And so we don't want to be content with just pursuing the path of mediocrity. We want to all make progress in our growth in Christ. And so, so here's just a simple suggestion. What about this? I will welcome the encouragement and accountability of others at Redemption Hill. And again, the best way to do this, I think, and this is why we have it, is community groups and membership. That, that's, that's why we uh, have established these in the, the rhythm of our church. Second commitment, grow in managing our time and finances with joyful generosity. Our two, two great idols that we have to constantly push back against. Number one is our time. I understand, man, the calendar just gets out of control. I don't have enough time in my, my week to get everything that I want to done. But, but, but look at how much time that we waste oftentimes. 
What about our finances? Last year, we set a goal that, that we wanted to see our offerings uh, match up to 250000 for the year. Guess what? We're going to be right over 253000 for 2014. How about that? Praise God. That's, that's incredible. That's awesome. And, and, and this year, we're saying we want to see God work in such a way where our internal gifts are up to $312,500 to be specific, all right? It's like, man, that's a lot of money. That seems crazy for this size of church. We're saying it's not crazy. We've looked at the numbers, and we've taken a step of faith, just like we did in 13, 14, 12, and 11. You know what I'm saying? We're going to keep at it because God is able to do imaginably more than we ask or imagine. So some commitments here. I will contribute systematically and sacrificially to see Redemption Hill reach our goal. It may mean living on a budget, May mean sacrifice. Maybe you go back and re-listen to that treasure series that John and John laid out for us in November. What about this? I will ruthlessly eliminate time wasters and give myself to eternal matters. That would be a good commitment for all of us. Finally, look at this. We want to grow by making disciple makers corporately and personally in Medford and all of the earth. As we look at the book of Ephesians, okay, if you read through this, and I would highly recommend sometime this week, read through all six chapters. It won't take you maybe 20, 30 minutes. It doesn't take long at all to read through Ephesians. You can read it slowly. But, but someone might say, you know what? The Great Commission is not in Ephesians, so why are we talking about making more disciple makers? Listen, there would be no book of Ephesians if it weren't for the Great Commission. You know what I'm saying? The Great Commission is to what? Go and make disciples. And so Paul is in prison because he has given himself to making disciples. The Ephesians were in Christ because Paul had gone there to proclaim Jesus. And so this is something that we want to give ourselves to, not only in Medford, but we want to plant a church in Charlestown that's in the works. We have a church plans are coming in that's going to plant in Arlington over the next few years. We want to continue our partnership with Trinity Life Church in Toronto, whom we prayed for this morning. We want to continue our partnership globally in India. And we want everyone involved in this task of disciple-making. Okay? Again, this is not just for the leaders. It is for every disciple of Christ to be making disciple-makers. You get that? that? That's multiplication language in there. So some of you, it would be as simple as this. I will, I will be mentored by someone in this new year. I just, I just want to learn how to do it. I just want to grow in Christ and then, and then, um, and then learn how to then invest in someone else. So I will be equipped to mentor someone newer in Christ. Perhaps that's, that's where many of you are, are today. You're ready to take that step. And then, and then finally, what about this one? I will take some vacation time this year. New Year's rolled around. You can plan for it right now. And I'm going to go to Toronto for a week. Or I'm going to take, take a couple long weekends and a week. And I'm going to go to India on one of our, our, our mission trips there to serve the people there. So let me just say this. Uh, to, to pose a question, can you imagine what your life will look like if you really committed yourself in Christ to loving, building, and growing in 2015? Can you imagine what our church will look like a year from now when we have around 200 or more people that are, that are committed to loving, building, and growing? I tell you, there won't be 200 people anymore, you know? Because that's what God does 
in us. And so commitment takes courage, okay? As you're thinking about the commitments that that you may want to make to God and to share with one another as a church, listen, I want to say commitment takes courage. It takes courage to confront our flaws. It takes courage to say no to other good things. It takes courage to step out in faith, to open ourselves up to accountability, to get up when we fall. Because listen, we're going to set some goals and we're not going to make them every single one. So what are we going to do then? It takes courage to get up. It takes courage to take the next step. It takes courage to ask for prayer. It takes courage to follow Jesus into the great unknown. And so if you ask me, Tanner, do you think that this is going to happen? You think this is going to be a great year in Christ? I'm saying absolutely it's going to happen as God sees to it because he is a God. This is our meta memo verse for the year, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite Micah and John to come back up. And, and uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment. But as they go ahead and as they make their way up here, they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. And these songs are songs of praise and songs of dedication and commitment. We're going to confess that Jesus is everything to us. He's, 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 he's all that we need. And then, and then we're going to, to sing another song that, that mirrors the words of this, this passage. That God is able, because of the resurrection of Jesus, God is able to do anything in our lives individually and anything in the life of our church collectively. So I want to lead us in prayer. Maybe, maybe what you could do is, is just say, God, show me how I can be committed to you in 2015. Maybe God has already brought a few of those things to mind. You're saying, God, just help me. I need your help. I can't do this apart from your grace. And so maybe that's what you need to say as we begin to respond to God in prayer and through song. Let's pray together. Father, this vision is quite simply beyond us. To have Jesus as our standard, to become like him, is more than we could ever attain in our own strength. And so, Father, we ask that as we embark on this journey of the new year, as we have this fresh start, Lord, that you would work in our life in such a way that we would say, Christ, you are everything, you're all that I need, and you are able to do great things in in my life and in the life of those around me, part of this church. So, Lord, we don't know what the future holds. You may have other things planned that we haven't even thought of this morning, and yet, God, we pray that in all things, you would glorify yourself in Christ Jesus and in your church. We pray in his name. Amen.